Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Delighted to have you with us today. I have to tell you, I'm getting a kick out of the number of Trump-hating corporate media outlets owned by oligarchs or global corporations that are running almost daily fake poll after fake poll trying to suggest President Trump's weakening in his public approval ratings, that somehow Mr. Trump is suddenly not the man to beat in the Republican Party in 2024. It's, I, I think, really laughable because they're so obvious about it all. They're running these fool polls almost every day, the establishment doing anything, no matter how absurd or downright silly, trying to pry the president away from his base and to create a projection of weakness on his part, his base that is actually now the Republican Party's rank and file, and it's still President Trump's party, isn't it? Do the phrases make America great again sound familiar to you? How about America first? They certainly do sound familiar to me. Uh, By the way, was it Trump who invited Hispanics and blacks into the Republican Party? Or was that Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and Karl Rove, cartoon character rhinos who hate the man who did what they couldn't? He won the presidency, and they lost. Trump brought into the party working men and women, minorities, blacks, Hispanics, the very people Romney, Ryan, and Rove ignored, or perhaps just plain didn't want in their corporatist, white-shoe, country-club Republican Party. Trump's 2016 victory ended that party, and he is today the leader of the new Republican Party that the establishment, the globalist, corporatist, Wall Streeters, woke academics, and elites detest. They're no better, by the way, than Hillary Clinton was, who looked down her snoot at Republicans from all walks of life. She called us all deplorables, remember? We all remember that, and she meant every word of it. And so do the Marxist Dems who run Washington today. And they're still trying to destroy President Donald Trump, not because he's no longer the Republican leader, but because he is the leader. Not because he's weaker, but because he's stronger. He's still the disruptor, and he will win in 2024. The Marxist Dems and Deep State have spent more than six years trying to destroy this man with two impeachments plots to subvert and overthrow his presidency, falsify evidence, lie, the FBI and DOJ trying to frame him, to bring him down with now two special counsel investigations as well. And like the hyenas they are, these Marxist Dems are still bringing all the power of government they can muster to try to stop him, to destroy him and us. And that conflict intensely defines the battle for the speakership in the House, that battle raging now, between rhino Kevin McCarthy and Freedom Caucus co-founder Andy Biggs, because the Speaker of the House has been exclusively 
rhino Republican-led for all but six of the past 22 years in this century. And Trump Republicans are bridling under what they see as rhino collaboration with the Marxist-dim-directed Democrat Party, a party trying to destroy America, our history, our Constitution, our economy, our faith, our families, and the American way of life. Our guest today is embroiled in that fight, Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. He's a member of the Budget and Education Committees, a strong conservative, supporter of secure borders, a great American. And Congressman Good is among those who support Congressman Andy Biggs for Speaker of the House. Congressman Good, it is great to have you with us. Welcome to the Great America Show. Thank you, Lou. Great to be with you and appreciate you having me. This is some kind of battle that's shaping up on Capitol Hill in your conference uh, and for the Congress itself. Uh, as Kevin McCarthy seeks the speakership, how goes the battle? Well, we are resolved uh, to demonstrate the courage necessary to bring true transformational change uh, in the interest of the country, in the interest of the Congress, and in the interest of the Republican Party. I tell my colleagues who are in this battle with me, we will remember for the rest of our lives what we did at this time. And we've got to make historic change. Uh, The country is teetering, as you know. Uh, There's so many crises that we could point to as the greatest threats to the country. Uh, But the point is we can't do what we've always done. As you know, we'll get what we've always got, and the country cannot survive another two years of that. And so we're resolving the battle. We are going to deny Kevin McCarthy the speakership. It's just a matter of that recognition being more widespread so we can more publicly vet uh, quality candidates who can get us to 218 that represent the conservative center of the conference. Well, that is uh, that is absolutely uh, it warms my heart to hear you say that, uh, and I and I appreciate uh, your forthrightness and uh, and concrete statement that you're going to deny him the speakership, because I and I want to read everybody a tweet uh, from the congressman uh, about a week ago. Uh, uh, what he tweeted this. What has Kevin McCarthy done over the last two years to demonstrate he will challenge the status quo plaguing Washington and fight for the will of the American people as House Speaker? Now, that was, a, that was over a week ago, and I think you succinctly put forward the, the proposition uh, that a lot of uh, people, whether they be in the national corporate media, whether they be on Capitol Hill as either Republican or Democrat, uh, that that was not succinctly anywhere else, as far as I know, put forward. Uh, and I think you hit it right, uh, right on the head from the ver- from Jump Street uh, in this collision of forces within the GOP conference itself. Uh, what have, have you seen anything that would change your mind? No, sir. And really, uh, Lou, if Republican members of Congress are honest, they would tell you that not supporting Kevin McCarthy is actually doing the will of the people who elected us. You know, I often will say I'm not here to do the will of the people who voted against me because I told them what I was going to do and they voted against me. I am here to do the will of the people who voted for me, the promises that I made to them on the things that I would fight for, the things that I would stand for and how I would cast my votes on their behalf. And over the last three years, since I first started my journey to run for Congress in 2020, you know, in 2019 when I began the campaign, I have had hundreds and hundreds 
of voters and constituents in my district plead with me and beg me and implore me not to support Kevin McCarthy. I came in 2020 and there was no challenge to him and no one was standing up against the status quo. He was elected by acclamation. I saw that as a freshman and I said, I will judge him based on what he does in my first two years. And Lou, he had an almost uh, uh, unique opportunity just as the minority leader to candidate uh, alone uh, for the opportunity to be speaker when we took the majority. And there was nothing that he did during my first two years to earn my vote. Uh, he failed time and again to lead. He failed time and again to have a plan. He failed time and again to use every tool at our, at our disposal in a tight minority where we're just a few votes short of the majority. And there's nothing, again, that you can point to to say, hey, that's the reason why he should be the leader. And we're in it right now, Lou, as you know. What's going to happen in this lame duck spending fight You know, near and dear to your heart? get this better than anybody. But well, we're, not seeing, we're not seeing the demand now, the challenge to McConnell in the Senate that we in the House will provide no votes for this terrible spending package is going to get try to get jammed down our throats, and that we're not going to give no bipartisan cover to these weak, feeble senators who want to give them the 60 votes they need. And that if they do this, we will fight them tooth and nail with everything we've got in the majority uh, in, in 2013 and beyond if they do this to us and do this to the country, most importantly. He's got an opportunity in these two weeks to show the fight we haven't seen in two years. Well, he, he does have that opportunity, but instead what we're getting is a sort of an a la carte version of an agenda. Now he is promising because he sees that you guys are, your backs are, your spines are stiffening. Uh, and you are really a now he understands, I believe, the dimension of the threat you pose to his uh, dreams of the speakership. Uh, he's saying that, uh, yes, we'll have subpoenas. We'll subpoena every one of those 51 uh, intelligence veterans uh, who will come before the uh, for the House. Now, my guess is he means that the House uh, Intelligence Committee will sub will send those subpoenas out. And then you will have a, a congressman chairing that committee uh, that I for, personally don't believe is uh, quite the right fellow for the job. Uh, and I'm talking about Congressman uh, Michael Turner. Uh, he is he's a rhino. Uh, there is no doubt of it. Uh, he is not a man who had when he had an opportunity to take uh, uh, to take charge of an investigation, chose not to. And I'm talking about with the CCP, China. Uh, he has disappointed me on numerous occasions. Uh, I'd like to get your thinking on that. Well, you're exactly right. And unfortunately, sadly, though, Lou, he is representative of the majority of the chairman that we will have. In the short run, what this is about, it's not about a person or a personality. It is, but yes, it is about in the short run, this objective, this battle to get a better speaker for 2013 and 2014 for the next two years. But the bigger long-term picture is we're trying to break up the swamp cartel, and we're trying to strike a blow against a system, a Republican system, mind you, that's hostile to conservatives, that's hostile to our base of voters, 
and it's hostile to the input of regular members, where we can't almost conceive, Lou, that we would have chairmen of our committees that you would say, gosh, those are real fighters. Those are real champions of conservatism. Those are real change agents. You know, Jim Jordan, sadly, is the, is the exception. And there's one or two others that are, that, are, that are decent and okay. But really, the majority of the rankers that we have that are in line to become chairman are those who will disappoint you. They have played the game. They have uh, navigated the swamp system. And that's what we're trying to do is to deal a blow to a system that's frankly hostile to the very things that we all run on and the very things we campaign against when we're asking folks to send us to Washington to battle against the Biden-Schumer-Pelosi agenda. Well, I, I have to say, I believe that those committee appointments by Kevin McCarthy should automatically disqualify him from being speaker. Uh, there is no way in the world that any Republican, uh, any conservative, uh, you name it, should ever support him. This is a man who is asking to lead rather than leading. Uh, he is a man who in leadership, as you point out accurately, has failed to lead. His voice has been uh, muffled uh, when he attempts to raise his voice uh, to either support or to challenge a policy within the, the Congress. He has not done it. Uh, he hasn't supported President Trump. Uh, this, is a this is a MAGA party, an America first party. Whether he likes it or any rhino likes it or not doesn't matter one whit. Uh, Republicans in this country believe uh, in the foundation of America first. And I, and I think one of the questions everyone should have, everyone on Capitol Hill should be asked, if you're not America first, what in the world are you putting first? I want to hear your priorities if America isn't your priority. What do you think? Absolutely. You're exactly right. How did that become partisan, by the way, to be America first? How did that become a negative term to some people politically? But past his prologue, and all you've got to do is look, when he was the majority leader, uh, when we had the majority in 2017 and 2018 and with the White House, how he was part of a leadership team that went to pass these massive spending bills with a majority of Democrats instead of Republicans, with an opposition of majority of Republicans, he went and crossed the aisle and worked to pass spending packages with a majority of Democrats. And I'll give credit where it's due. Daniel Horowitz, in a piece that he wrote for The Blaze, really spelled that out well about a week ago, and I recommend that to our listeners here. But how time and again, Kevin McCarthy worked to get the support of Democrats to pass spending bills that were not America first, certainly when it comes to our fiscal situation and and to help put us in this massive uh, uh, deficit uh, national debt that we have now we can't just be the party that's not just as it's, it's just not as bad as the democrats and it's slowing the train that's you know heading down into the abyss uh, but just at a slower pace and the democrats do it well and and mitch mcconnell is going to be demanding much of you and the and, and the republican conference and i'm sure he and kevin mccarthy have already got this worked out uh this uh lame duck session uh, are we going to see an omnibus bill are we going to see uh any discussion about the ndaa or is this going to be a uh, a last-minute, uh, furious, uh, spend-a-rama uh, by, the, by the Democrats uh, until January 3rd. 
Well, the, definitively, we don't know yet. We're get, hearing that we're going to be back next week. We're supposed to finish our work this week. I fear the worst. I fear that McConnell will make a deal with the Dems and the, and we won't be able to block it in the House and we won't effectively message against the Senate Republicans to try to you know, put the fear in them of going along because we're going to unanimously uh, oppose it in the House side. You know, the best we could do, as you know, would be a quote unquote clean CR at current funding levels into the new year, only to the start of the new year, so that the new Congress that represents the will of the people who elected us would be the ones who determine the funding for 2023 and beyond. But instead, I fear that we'll get a bad omnibus bill that'll be crammed down our throats. And despite the conservative opposition, we'll pass the House with the Democrats, pass the Senate with Republican support, you know, 12 or 13 Republicans. And it'll be bad for the country, bad for the Republican Party, and bad for the people who elected us to fight for them. Now, Mitt Romney has become the poster boy for deceit, uh, duplicity, uh, and uh, divided loyalties, to say the least. Uh, what is the party going to do with these rhinos? You notice that the Democrats don't have dinos, but the Republicans have rhinos. Uh, don't you think they should? there should be a quota for both parties, the same number, so they have to contend with the same obstacles and barriers to the, to the will of the people? Or, or maybe just get rid of the rhinos. What do you think? Well, the American people in those respective districts and states need to do that. Um, and but, but do you think if the roles were reversed, Lou, and we know the answer to this, that the Democrats would be helping us and would be providing the votes uh, that we needed to pass stuff like like we're going to do with the Democrats? Would, would, would Democrat senators cross the aisle and help us pass our spending bills? Would Democrats in the House provide bipartisan cover? and vote for Republican majority bills, would they do that? That's not going to happen. And the fact is, as you know, uh, as, uh, give credit again, where I'm quoting somebody, but as Dan Bongino likes to say, the problem is half the Republicans are really Democrats and none of the Democrats are really Republicans. Well, that's that's one way to put it. Uh, the unfortunate part is that the, the Democrats think and Republicans don't. Uh, I've never seen a group of people like these Republicans over the last, uh, well, certainly since 2016, uh, who have just been, uh, frankly, uh, brain dead is the only way I can say it. Uh, they don't think of anything original. They don't try to come up with ways to subvert the subversives. They don't, uh, they, they sort of whine and complain about how mean and vicious and uh, awful the Democrats are because they're Marxist and they mean to be mean and they mean to destroy America, but they don't have an answer. Now, you're going to be in the majority, but what I have not understood is why uh, under Paul Ryan, who trained who trained Kevin McCarthy, why there is anyone that is, you know, why not just stand up and say this, this crap will not happen. We're stopping it here uh, because there is, there are uh, maneuvers that you can make as the minority, and, and I'm talking about even in the lame duck session, why not go after Mitch McConnell? What is it exactly that the Republican conference has to lose if they point out to the world what an awful, awful uh, person Mitch McConnell is? And, he, and I'm making it personal. He is an awful person. He has campaigned against Republicans as well as denied support to Republicans. This is a man 
uh, who is attacking his own party. Again, duplicitous, uh, Machiavellian. And by the way, I don't know whose interest he's working in, but it isn't the United States. And the same, the yeah, same is true for Mitt Romney and, uh, and that whole leadership bunch uh, in the Senate. Absolutely. And if, if we in the House, if we won't fight with every tool at our disposal when we're in the minority and there's no pressure on us, quite frankly, because we can just oppose the Democrats and, you know, and, and they can pass their stuff anyway, uh, but not if we get the Senate to fight. But, but what are we going to do in the majority when the pressure is on us to lead and for us to govern and for us to pass legislation and so forth? But to, you, you pointed out McConnell, but McCarthy, too, similar to what McConnell did in a high-profile basis in the Senate races, McCarthy as well spent millions of dollars this past election cycle in primaries against the will of the voters of respective House districts who wanted conservatives. He spent millions of dollars uh, through conservative leadership fund and other means to try to defeat conservatives in primaries money that could have been used in the general election to elect more Republicans to the House. And so one of the demands that we're placing on whomever would become speaker, whoever wants to lead us, whoever, you know, we're trying to post the job here and say, hey, let's, in my position, let's stop interviewing the candidate who we're, we're firing because they failed the job previously as minority leader. Amen. We're posting the, to say what we're looking for here as we want to, you know, interview new candidates for the position. One of those is, we don't play in primaries. The Republican leadership doesn't spend donor money that's given to the Republican Party and Republican uh, uh, to, uh, funding mechanisms to, to put the thumb on the scale in primaries. And McCarthy has admitted that he spent money to try to elect those who would be loyal to him and would vote to support him as speaker, yeah, which I believe not- is effectively stealing donor money. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and, and there's no, no, no one is, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, under any false impression about McCarthy and why he's raised uh, more money than any other uh, minority leader in history. Uh, that money comes with lots of obligations, and they're not obligations to the nation or, in fact, even to the Republican Party. Uh, I, I'd like to get to to a couple of those issues, though. Uh, within the conference. Uh, This is a time, I think, for a revolution within the party. Uh, I think it's, as you said, you've got nothing to lose. You really have nothing to lose. And yet there are so many people walking around sort of whispering and with their head down in the conference, Republicans, who are afraid to speak up here. Uh, because they're afraid they're not going to get money if uh, if good old Kevin is the spe- uh, the speaker, uh, he's not going to dole out any money to them for their campaigns. There's two years that we've got to save a republic, and what you all do is, as you well know, is absolutely critical to the future of the country. This cannot be the Republican Party of old. Ronald McDaniel's got to be thrown out of the RNC. Right. Kevin McCarthy has got to step away from the speakership. He's not, he, he, he's not, we don't need another Paul Ryan. And Mitch McConnell, we didn't need the first Mitch McConnell. We don't need a continuing uh, majority leader, uh, excuse me, minority leader in the Senate uh, of, his, of his ilk. Yes, sir. You think about what we're going to need from leadership in the new Congress when we're going to just have the House and the Senate and the White House to be controlled by the Democrats, we're going to need a, nerves of steel, 
spine of steel that we're going to be willing to defund this government to use the power of the purse, you know, to defund the 87,000 IRS agents, to defund the weaponization of the federal government against its own citizens, to threaten, we're not going to, not threaten, but say refuse to fund a government that doesn't secure its border, to refuse to fund a government that doesn't go back to the Trump energy policies and surrenders that energy independence, you know, that, that continues a vaccine mandate against its citizens, that continues to allow you know, our law enforcement to collude with big tech to suppress information to the American people, that we're going to refuse to fund that kind of a government, and we're going to use the power of the purse. And as you know, you've got to be willing to say no and to walk away and, frankly, let the government shut down. That's the only way you're going to have ultimate leverage if they know you're willing to do that, which, as you know, if you shut down the government or if you don't pass these spending bills, all that means is you got to spend less than the revenue that's coming in, which would be a great thing anyway. we got $5 trillion coming into the Treasury because of the Trump tax cuts, but we're spending 6 to $7 trillion, and all they'd have to do is cut the discretionary spending if we didn't raise the debt ceiling, frankly, and if we didn't pass more spending packages. And in a different, but I think also larger perspective, this government is weaponized against the American people. You, you mentioned the 87,000 IRS agents that they're hiring. Uh, my God, who do they think they're going to be turned on? They're going to be turned That's on right. the middle class of this country. This is a government that try to go into a federal court and get a fair shake. Uh, if you happen to have a, a left wing judge, try and get a fair shake uh, from your uh, prosecutor. Uh, if he or she is is left wing and George Soros funded, don't even think about it. Uh, and oh, by the way, if you want to go to your school board, your zoning board, and raise your voice about your uh, concerns, oh, you're a domestic terrorist. This Justice Department, this FBI right now, I mean, the FBI, for crying out loud, Congressman, they've got three television shows going right now on TV. Think about it. Now, why did they suddenly need three TV shows? And how much money do you think they're spending to to, to drive those shows in the right direction? Uh, I, I mean, look at what they now they're showing up for local murders. How many FBI agents are there? What are they doing? They are working more than ever in a in the role of first responders. And by the way, the sheriff's departments and police departments, I think if you press very hard, they're going to be very upset about it all. But that's what's going on all across this country with this FBI. They're weaponized and they're directed. And you know at whom. That's right. This administration, uh, Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and a lot of them, they believe the greatest threat to the country is Americans. The greatest threat to the country. And you touched on NDAA. Uh, they've, they've told their own military that the greatest threat to the country is climate and racism in the military. And that that's reflected in the funding package, the NDAA, the $800 billion bill that got passed through the House, despite the conservative opposition voted by voted uh, for and supported by our own leadership again. Uh, when we could have defeated it because they couldn't pass it without Republican votes in the minority. Rare opportunity of leverage that we had, and we squandered it once again, the fourth time we've done that on the NDAA in my first term here. Well, it's outrageous. Uh, the Dems want to, the Marxist Dems, as uh, I call them, and I think properly, who are driving the Democrat Party, they, they want to defund police departments all over the country. 
But, oh, no, they want to spend a lot of money with that FBI, which has become nothing more than the, uh, a, 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 br- a group of brown shirts uh, operating at the orders of the, of the Marxists in this country and in this government, the deep state and the Democrats. Uh, it, it's, an, it's an awful moment in history, and it, can, and it only highlights how important it is what you all must do for this country and i and even if it's a per, great personal sacrifice i really think that the patriots in this conference and there are patriots like yourself in this conference uh who will stand up i think what we by the way why not just draft a leader congressman why not draft a speaker uh, i'm told jim jordan doesn't want to do it i you know i take him at his word but that isn't his choice that's the conference's choice drafting because he's probably the, in my opinion, he's certainly one of those who would be the right man to take the job. You know what? Those who say they're not seeking it, that's actually a qualifier instead of a disqualifier, quite frankly. Those who'd be willing to serve if called upon. And once we make it clear it's not going to be Kevin McCarthy, and once we get past the denial stage and reality sets in, uh, then we'll be able to more publicly vet those candidates that can get us to 218, those who have credibility and stature with the can- with the conference, uh, and with the country and represent, again, the conservative center of the conference and uh, who would rise based on the merits of what they've done in Congress. And we can do a whole lot better in the short run with a better speaker and in the long run, again, deal a blow to a system that's uh, a system that's hostile to the very things that we say we stand for. Absolutely. Well, we're we're reaching a point on this broadcast uh, that I just, uh, it's one of my favorite moments where I, I shut up and I allow our guests to have the last word. Uh, and I, I know there's some, some, some support for that in the audience as well. Uh, let me ask you to, to give us your concluding thoughts. Uh, the last word for this edition of uh, the great America show. Well, I just want to thank you, Lou, for having me. I want to thank you for your encouragement in this very important battle that will take place on January 3rd. And, you know, there's many, many so-called conservatives who have faltered now in this time, uh, this moment of time that we need people to come together and support us in it. And those who've, who've criticized Republican leadership and criticized rhinos and criticized the status quo, who now are trying to pressure us to conform and to fall in line and to support uh, status quo, but I want you to know there, there, there's enough of us who are resolved to do the right thing, to risk everything politically, to bring transformational change. I know that the Republican voters across the country are with us, and we're determined to see this through, and I appreciate you having me with you today. Well, Congressman Bob Good, we, we applaud you. We appreciate all that you're doing for the country, uh, and uh, as, as you and I have uh, agreed, uh, the stakes are so high and uh, there is absolutely uh, at, at risk is the entire republic, uh, which uh, we have to preserve for, for our own good as Americans and for the world as well. Uh, Congressman, I've enjoyed talking with you. Uh, thank you so much. And I wish you all the very best uh, in the fight uh, for truth and justice and the American way. I see it is no less than that. Uh, God bless you. Thank you, and God bless you. Great to be with you. Congressman Bob Good of Virginia, a fighter for truth, justice, and the American way. And please follow me on Twitter at Lou Dobbs. That's at Lou Dobbs. We thank you for being with us today here to pick up. We thank you for being. Let's try this again. Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. 
He's a fighter for truth, justice, and the American way, a great American. Please follow me on Twitter at Lou Dobbs. That's at Lou Dobbs. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Be here tomorrow. Senator Marsha Blackburn will be our guest. Please join us. Till then, God bless you, and may God bless America.